My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. This episode will deal with mental health and suicide. If you need help, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Wednesday the 6th of September. I'm Zara Seidler. I'm Sam Kozlowski. Australia's first ever autism strategy is being developed to try improve outcomes for autistic Australians in everything from mental health to social inclusion. We really want to ensure that all autistic people can truly participate socially in the community. Stick around until the deep dive to hear my conversation with Andy Shim. Andy's a member of the council overseeing the new strategy. But before we get to that chat, Sam, yesterday was the first Tuesday of the month, which is RBA Day. That's right. And the RBA decided not to make any big moves yesterday. They kept the interest rate on hold at 4.1% for the third month in a row. This was the last rate decision and RBA meeting for outgoing Governor Philip Lowe, who didn't rule out future hikes to the cash rate, but he did say that inflation had passed its peak. Michelle Bullock starts as the new RBA governor on the 18th of September. PM Anthony Albanese is in Indonesia today, kicking off what will be a three-country diplomatic visit. The PM will attend the ASEAN Summit, which is a meeting of the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, for his first stop in Jakarta. He's expected to meet with other leaders over the next two days before heading to the Philippines for talks with their president. The last of the Aussies have been knocked out of the US Open's singles competition. Top-ranked Australian men's player Alex Dimonor made it to the fourth round of the Tennis Grand Slam before being knocked out by previous champion Daniil Medvedev on Tuesday morning. The men's and women's finals will be played over the weekend, local time, with the competition wrapping up early Monday morning for those of us in the AEST time zone. And the good news, Sydney FC has launched a pathway to develop and encourage more female footballers to play at a professional level. The program will develop footballers aged between 11 and 16 years old and will provide a link between community soccer and professional competition. Sydney FC and Matilda's World Cup squad forward Courtney Vine said the program would provide an enormous benefit to the future of Australian women's football. Australia's first ever autism strategy has been released for public feedback. To help us understand what the strategy is and what it will do, I'm joined by disability rights activist and an autistic member of the council overseeing the national autism strategy, Andy Shim. Andy, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm very, uh, feel honoured to be here today. Let's start at the beginning. I know that you're on here today to talk about the strategy, but Mm -hmm. I do really just want to take a step back first. And I was wondering if you could help us explain in your words what autism actually is. Well, that's a very big question. There's a lot of different ways to describe autism. It's a condition which impacts communication and Mm -hmm. can um, impact the way that you perceive and navigate the world. Being autistic to me means that I sometimes miss what other people catch, but then also catch what other people miss. I'd love to know what you think you catch that other people might miss. Well, I think for me, I think I have a really good eye for detail. But at the same time, you know, my sensory sensitivities, specifically my hearing, can be really high. So I might have noise cancelling headphones, but in, in exchange, 
I might, let's say, notice something in a, in a, in a picture that other people might have missed. And it makes me, you know, a really good asset to have in an escape room because I think, you know, that's what neurodiversity is about, right? I love that. <laughs> Diversity and skills and thoughts. So That is excellent. And I will be sure to call you next time I'm going to an escape room. So let's shift gears a bit and let's talk about the National Autism Strategy. Can you tell me what you think it is setting out to do? So for some context, I'm a um, autistic person and one of the members of the National Autism Strategy Oversight Council, which is overseeing the National Autism Strategy and the development thereof. Specifically, the National Autism Strategy, what we're doing is that we are attempting to ensure that policies about autistic people are designed by and for autistic people. The disability community often says nothing about us without us, mm. which is why we've released a discussion paper and we are hoping to solicit and collate feedback from the community directly. Because ultimately, for so, for so long, policies and strategies and discourse, whether it's about the NDIS, whether it's about the Disability Royal Commission, the Disability Discrimination Act, they were those conversations were often driven by non-autistic people, by neurotypical people. And I think it's very important to ensure that the voices of the people that are the most impacted by the policies are the ones who are then in turn driving the policies. I like to think of it like, would you want a, you know, a group of men to be discussing policies about reproductive rights without a single woman in the room? No. Does it happen? Yes. <laughs> but we don't want it. No. No, we do not. <laughs> exactly. So some of the areas that the strategy intends to address, mm -hmm. and I know that we're only at the discussion paper stage so far, but the first one is social inclusion. Mm -hmm. Can you explain to us why that's an area that is so high up when it comes to being addressed? Absolutely. So autistic people, are, they are experiencing life outcomes regarding social exclusion that are disproportionately mm -hmm. higher compared to their non-autistic counterparts. Um, some studies were stating that one in three autistic people, for example, were um, avoiding social situations partially due to fear of stigma and discrimination. And from a social inclusion perspective, we really want to ensure that all autistic people can truly participate socially in the community. You know, let's put it this way. Like, do you really want an escape room without someone like me in there? It's, <laughs> it's really about making, you know, just asking ourselves, hey, is everybody who is on, you know, this particular engagement on this at this particular event, at this particular, this particular sausage result, is it actually representative of all mm -hmm. of our all of the Australian population and who are the people who are the most excluded by certain structural barriers from socially participating. And so that is one of the areas mm -hmm. that will be focused on. Another, of course, is education and employment. Yes. What are some of the challenges that exist in those spaces at the moment? Thank you for asking. So the reason why I think we are really interested to hear about, you know, the barriers that preclude economic participation is primarily because, well, we know from the Disability Royal Commission, as well as the Senate Select Community Autism, that, you know, autistic people are disproportionately impacted by bullying, um, by alienation, by assault, violence, um, ableism, 
One study reported that three out of four autistic students in universities do not even disclose their autism to their university out of fear of discrimination. I think, you know, autistic people, as well as, you know, people with disability in general, we are not a liability around which to retrofit. We're an actually a asset into which to invest. We have to look at, you know, how people are being excluded at workplaces, whether our current employment laws are actually sufficiently preventing, you know, disability vilification at the workplace. I personally have been told, um, and, you know, words that I will not repeat on this podcast because they're slurs. Because what I will say, though, is that I think there are thousands of people who are not as lucky as I am where at least I was somehow able to find a back door whenever a front door was closed. But I mm. think to myself, how many people are not able to access that back door or a window, let alone, you know, are they even in the same building? That's mm. why I think education and employment are really fundamental to considering that economic inclusion question. I want to also talk about diagnosis. Uh, yes. I know that um, in the discussion paper, there was also some commentary about uh, the diagnosis f- of women and girls. What can you tell us about what is needed in this space when it comes to diagnosing autism? We know from the literature that autistic girls and women, as well as autistic people from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds, um, especially those from you know uh, from uh, immigrant and refugee backgrounds, as well as people from the uh, LGBTQIA plus community, autistic people from those communities um, are experiencing uh, greater rates of uh, structural barriers that are precluding them from accessing uh, timely diagnoses. For example, um, the average age that an autistic girl may get diagnosed, some studies have noted maybe up to five to 10 years later than that of a Mm. a cisgender man. You know, as much as people may love, say, something like the Big Bang Theory or Rain Man or what's eating Gilbert Grapes, you know, not all autistic people are Mm. a one-size-fits-all approach who fits that, you know, media stereotype of a, you know, good doctor-esque, you know, white cisgender man who, you know, may like puzzles. I myself mentioned that I like escape rooms and puzzles, but... There is so much more to me than just that of one course. domain. And I think with diagnoses and support services, we really are keen to hear from autistic people from First Nations, the First Nations communities, as well as from autistic girls and women and other um, area, other focus, focus groups and demographics mm-hmm. who have been uh, disproportionately impacted by those barriers to accessing diagnoses because diagnosticians are ultimately people. That means that Mm -hmm. as people and as humans, they are, you know, not invulnerable to human bias and to implicit biases. And Andy, you've already alluded a couple of times to the mental health element of all of this. But Mm -hmm. I mean, what can be done in this space? I think we have to address the elephant in the room. We know from the Senate Select Committee on Autism and the Disability Royal Commission that Suicide is something that is affecting autistic Australians. The bipartisan report from the Senate Select Committee on Autism reported that autistic Australians have a life expectancy 20 to 36 years shorter than that Mm. of the general population, with two times the uh, mortality rate, with suicide being the number one cause of death. 
Um, another study reported that nine out of 10 autistic women um, have experienced sexual violence. These are rates which I think really demonstrate that we need urgent action and we need it now. The reason why mm. we have a working group on mental health and we are trying to build a roadmap to improving mental health and health outcomes in general for autistic people is because that impact of discrimination as well as um, the reports we're hearing of health services, mental health services, refusing services for autistic people by putting them in the quote-unquote too hard, too complex basket. Mm. These are what I think essentially contributing to so many people in our community not being able to live the life to the quality that they deserve and to the lifespan that they are entitled. Mm. I feel incredibly hopeful and incredibly honored to be a part of this national autism strategy because I know that if the community engages with this strategy and they're willing to continue sharing their stories as they already have and offering solutions for what they would like to see, we can actually start implementing practical and accountable strategies and policies that will really enact better outcomes for all of us. We want outcomes ultimately, not merely opportunities. And in, in the UK, they have a national autism strategy. Um, and, you know, we can't let the Brits beat us. We've got to catch up with them, you know. If we have Definitely. That exactly. If we have that competitiveness when it comes to, say, you know, soccer and football, you know, let's, you know, put that same energy we, t we put towards the Matildas winning, towards getting our national autism strategy on, on par with the British one. Love it. And so, Andy, as a final note, mm -hmm. if we have listeners who are autistic and are wanting to share their lived experience, can you just tell our listeners how they can do that, please? Absolutely. So there are many ways that the autistic community as well as allies can share their thoughts share their stories. Uh, we are really keen as, you know, the team behind overseeing the development of the National Autism Strategy to capture as many diverse voices as possible. So we have community events um, and, you know, I'm happy for the link to those community events to be included in the show notes, but we have... We will absolutely do that. Um, we have forums for the community at large, as which is for allies, as well as mm -hmm. autistic people, as well as forums just for autistic people. But for those who, you know, may not feel as comfortable to, you know, be in a workshop or a forum, we also are very um, happy to receive information through written feedback. So there is a discussion paper that summarizes um, what we're trying to capture information about. And there'll be ways to essentially provide your written thoughts in response to that discussion paper. Brilliant. Andy, thank you so much for your time today. Really, really appreciate it. Oh, likewise. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's, you know, nothing about us without us. I'm sure everyone will love having heard from you. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Bye, Zara. Thanks for joining us today on The Daily Oz. If you want more information about how to make a submission to help shape the nation's autism strategy or where you can join a community forum, those links are in the show notes. We'll be back again tomorrow, but until then, have a great day.